Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. That was a pretty good response for that. How could we not be? Wasn't the choir wonderful? And how about Jeff's playing? I hear he's going on the road soon to do a tour with... I'm going to be honest, I was going to make a joke about a band, and the only thing that came to my head, it's not a band I listened to, but it was Led Zeppelin, and I don't know why. So, we'll see. I don't know what to do with that, but more power to him. Uh, the last time I spoke before you, uh, I was fairly new. Uh, I mean, you know, now I'm all the way into like five months, so veteran. But I, was, uh, talk I talked about how I was working on lowering the amount of time that I speak uh, to, to fit more in here. Well, that's all out the window today. And so I'll do my best. But the reason for that is when, when I first heard from Tim and Julie about the Escape series, uh, I immediately just felt that this is one of the reasons I was called into ministry. Uh, as a pastor, there are times where, where you're called to preach and, and you really you pour over the scripture and you, you go into prayer deeply and, and you talk to other people and you just seek for, for God's word to come to you so that you know what to speak. But there are also times where you just have that immediate uh, just revealing of his word, like this is what you're going to preach. And this is one of those times... Because in this series, it's about disappointment, it's about fear, and this is the last week for it, so you've heard all of these messages, uh, and I just, I knew that I was called to speak about depression. And as a, a pastor, as a counselor, uh, I'm a trained mental health technician, I'm a youth pastor, all of these different things, I've run into this so often, I've, I've counseled people, I've heard it, I've seen it, and then above all of that, I suffer from it. And so it's something that this is the, the first church I've been in where I felt free to talk about it in, in such a way because there's such an air of judgment that goes along with depression, such an air of, of misunderstanding, not, not a neg from a negative place, but from a, you know, I don't feel this, so I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to talk to it. And so it kind of goes into a place of you, you talk to somebody who's going through depression, you're like, you know, just smile, stop being depressed. And that's essentially like if somebody has the flu and they come up to you and you're like, well, hey, just stop being sick. It's okay. And, and so it's something that, that there's nothing wrong with not understanding, but once you go through it from either side, you start to realize that it's a, a burden to bear, but it's also something that can help you to understand other people. So we've already read the Old Testament scripture, but I want to go back to it. This is Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 18. Oh, Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord, and he's referred to as the weeping prophet because his messages were mostly about, you know, destruction is coming if you don't get right, because that was the time that he lived in, and they really uh, needed that word. They really needed to know, hey, God is here, and, and you need to get right, because things are coming fast, and things are going to move fast, and you have to be on the right side here, and so he would preach that, and he was referred to as uh, Megor Misabib, which is Hebrew for tear on every side, 
And people would mock him with that. They would say, oh, here comes Jeremiah. He's going to say some bad stuff. Let's get in line and listen. Let's, you know, get ready for the tears, all of this stuff. And so he felt that. And what he does in the scripture, and the reason that I, I feel so drawn to this, this chapter in Jeremiah, is he shows you a glimpse into depression. He shows you what it's like to deal with that, to deal with the feeling that you're being mocked constantly. Now, now there were people that did mock him. But it also goes far to say that he probably felt that even when he wasn't around them. He probably felt that from himself. And he talks about how he would give up if he could, but God's fire is so strong in him, which is important because you need that fire. And that's how we get through everything. Because whether you have depression or not, you're going to go through tough times in life. And so you're going to have choices over and over and over again. Do I quit? Can I quit? Or do I keep going? Do I keep fighting? And so Jeremiah shows that in this. And when he talks about, you know, people are mocking me, it, it brings to light how I feel most of the time. Now, I know it's, it's interesting because in your head you can know something to be true, but then in your heart you feel a different way. So I have almost a constant voice in my head saying they're, they're, they don't care what you're saying. Like if people don't laugh at my jokes, which are usually super funny, uh, I will laugh at them, which helps people to know when to laugh, and that's good. But... It, I, I will have this immediate thought of, oh, they don't, they don't want to listen to you. Or, or uh, if people whisper during service, now nobody in here will ever talk during service, I know that. But uh, if I'm like, oh, they're talking about me. And it's like, I know that's not true, but I don't know that's not true, which sounds crazy, but I work with teens, so just deal with it. And so I, I, I have that constant voice of, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You can't speak about this. You can't talk to them. They don't want to hear from you. And no matter how many people tell me, that's, that's not true. Like, I, I, I love you, and I, I, I really value your opinion, whatever. It, it, it reaches me, but it doesn't stay. God's word stays, and so I keep going. I keep fighting, but it's something that I really understand from him. And like I said, depression is so misunderstood. And in some ways, it, it's, it's overused as a word, because anytime someone feels sad, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm depressed. And I don't want to take away that as a word, but, but when you suffer with this, there are times that you can't really control how you feel initially. Now, as with thoughts, as with anything, you can push for control. You can fight. You can do your best to give everything to the Lord over and over and over again. But sometimes it's a minute-by-minute -minute battle. Praying helps. As with everything, it's not a shock. It's not a turn to the back of the algebra book and find the answers thing. Praying helps. Praying always helps, and that's what I do constantly. There are times that I'm just constantly praying, which honestly is a good way to live. And God can heal this. I have known people who have been delivered from depression, just as we know people who have been delivered from cancer or something like that. However, we also know people who haven't been healed. That doesn't mean that their faith wasn't strong enough. It doesn't mean that they didn't love God enough or that God didn't love them enough because God loves all of us. But what it means is sometimes the struggle is what teaches others. Sometimes the struggle is what teaches ourselves. Sometimes the struggle is why we are living like Jeremiah. The struggle made his words all the more powerful because he gave them not because he was just flippantly talking, not because he was forced into it like Jonah, but, but because he truly felt this. He even fought against it, but he's like, this is in me. This is true. I know God. And so he gave those words, and it's so powerful. And his love for God is so strong, and you feel it throughout all of these scriptures. And I'm going to keep reading. Don't worry. But... The only thing keeping him from quitting is this desire to fight for the Lord, which brings us to always keep fighting, which is my message. It's a, a, a thing, a, a phrase that matters so much to me. 
Uh, I wear a bracelet on my arm, which is where you wear bracelets. I guess I didn't need to explain that. And it says, always keep fighting. And, and it's because it means don't give up. Uh, I have a picture for you. And it is, oh, wrong wall. It is, this is Jared Padalecki. Uh, I know that most of you probably don't know who he is. But his quote up there is so special to me. Basically, it's very simple. Never give up, always keep fighting. This is his charity campaign. He, he goes around uh, speaking about this, uh, making t-shirts about this to bring uh, information to people, to help people understand it on both sides of the depression line. He is six foot four, like in really good shape, like quarterback shape. Like Tom Brady's probably a bad example because you guys probably hate him, but that kind of guy. Come on, Dalton, I can't use Dalton. <laughs> But uh, he's, he's, an, he's, an, he's an attractive guy. He has a beautiful wife, beautiful children. He's on a hit TV show that's run 15 years. Uh, Supernatural, it's my favorite show. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Some of you may know him from Gilmore Girls, which I don't know. It's probably good. But the point is, if you look at him, you don't think, oh, there's somebody who knows what it's like to struggle. You think, uh, he has a lot of money from acting, and, and he's got everything. He, he has height, he has looks, he has a, a wife, he has kids. He has all of these things that I would look at and be like, man, I wish I had that, especially height. Uh, and, and yet he struggles with depression. And so when he came out to talk about it first, people were like, yeah, you're, you're 6'4", dude. Like, oh, you know, you're like a model. You're, you're a TV star. You don't have depression. Like, come on. And, and so he struggles with that, too. And even though he has a good life, he feels judged, he feels mocked, but he goes around and he fights. He helps people to know that it's okay to fight. He helps people to know that it's okay to give yourself to, to the Lord like that and to speak, to help other people. And it is a battle. And I say this from experience on both sides of the line, like I said, it is a battle. And some days I wake up and there's no reason to be sad. None at all. Like I just wake up and I feel so awful and I don't want to get out of bed. And it, it, it stinks and it hurts and there's nothing to do about it but get up. And that's where always keep fighting is because you look and you say, okay, God's fire is in my bones. I have to stand up. And so you do, you fight. Some days are a little better. And I want to go to Jeremiah again for verse 11. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fall and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous, and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord, praise to the Lord, for though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. This is almost like a new person wrote it. It's almost like happy Jeremiah came up and was like, hey, you know, step aside, sad Jeremiah, let me go. And you see just the immediate shift from dark to happy. That's what it's like to have depression. Because you, can't always, you don't always know how you're going to wake up. It, it, it's such a difficult thing. And yet, even at his darkest, he was aware of God. And at his happiest, he took the lessons from the darkest and said, you know, I need to fight this. And, and so that is how he found strength. He found strength in the happy times. He found strength in the good times. But most of all, he found strength in God. Because sometimes it does feel better. The way that I describe it, and it's tough. If you've never had it, if you've never suffered with it, for one, I'm happy for you. But it's something that is very tough to describe because everybody understands what it's like to be sad. But for most of us, it's like, you know, I'm really sad, but if I eat some chocolate, I'm okay. Or if I, I'd say watch a Bengals game, but we know how that works. 
Ohio State is good. Ohio State, I saw they scored like 70-some points yesterday. Uh, so that, you know, that stuff makes you happy. Things like that make you happy, and that's good. But when you struggle with depression, when you suffer from this, the way I describe it is if you think of your happiness on a scale of 1 to 10, so like 1 is really, really sad, and 10 is really, really happy. 10 are the people who walk around singing and, and clapping all the time, and you're like, you know, a little too happy. But I, I'm not, I hope if somebody's in here, you know it's no shot. But uh, it's, it's for most people, and I'm going to use the word normal, but I mean more average, like the average person, you wake up five or six. Like you wake up in the middle, maybe a little happy, maybe a little sad some days, but you wake up pretty good. And then if something, a lot of good things happen, you know, you go up to an eight, maybe a nine. Uh, birthdays, holidays, times when, when family is around, when fun things happen, maybe for some of you when family leaves, like whatever it is that makes you happy. Uh, you, you wake up and then you can get pushed up to an eight or nine. And then if bad things happen, you drop to maybe a four or three at the worst. Well, for me, I wake up at a three or four through nothing else happening. Now, uh, I have a lot of experience with it. I'm a pastor. I give everything I can to the Lord. And so I can get up to a five, maybe a six. And for me, that's like insane happy. But for other people, it's like, dude, why aren't you more happy? Why aren't you smiling more? There's an interesting quote that I actually love. Uh, it's from Russia, which all great quotes, quotes come from. Um, and it is, if someone smiles all the time, they're either insane or American. Because here, <laughs> here we put such an importance, such a power on smiling. Uh, women hear it all the time, like, you should smile more. Uh, but, but all of us, it's like, hey, smile. That'll make you happy. Smile. Show your smile. And so you have such pain behind that smile sometimes. But for that scale where I can get up to a six, it's remarkably easy to drop to a two or a one. And we see this with Jeremiah. And those can be scary times. They can be really dark times. And I want to go to verse 14 for Jeremiah just to see what this looks like. Yet I curse the day I was born. May no one celebrate the day of my birth. I curse the messenger who told my father, good news, you have a son. Let him be destroyed like the cities of old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him all day with battle shouts because he did not kill me at birth. Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life was filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. That is darker than before. Now, that, those aren't words that we necessarily expect to see from a prophet of the Lord, that we expect to see in the Bible for, from a follower of God. And, and that can be, if you just read that alone, that can be a little uncomfortable, because it's like, what's going on with Jeremiah? Not only, a lot of us, everybody at some point, especially when you're a teen or a kid and you know, your parents get on your case, or when you're a parent and your teens get on your case, uh, all of us have said, I wish I'd never been born, or something like that. I wish I were dead. It's something that we kind of throw around. Jeremiah not only said that, he said, I wish that the person who told people I was born was dead. That's pretty far. And, and so he's very serious about it. And, and it's right after he was happy. And so if you just, all you knew of Jeremiah was this passage, you see him being sad, and then you see him being happy, and then you see him being darker than ever. And it's like, I don't know what to do with this guy. And that's how he felt every day of his life, because that's how his life was. There were probably conversations he had right after a, a dark message that God had given him, where he's like, oh, this is such an awesome day. And people are like, dude, are you crazy? Because we want things to kind of be understandable. But things like this are not. I have days that are wonderful. 
And the nights that are impossible. Nights where I don't sleep at all because my mind will not shut off. I have this curse of remembering every single thing I've ever said. And I'm not just saying that as hyperbole. I can remember every single thing I've ever said since kindergarten, which is hard because I was pretty stupid in kindergarten. And we, if, if though there are times where things are going pretty well and then something from like seventh grade or from two years ago will pop back in my head and I'm like, oh man, because I'm harder on myself than anyone else ever could be. I've had people leave my life because they're like, you're just not happy enough. It's just too hard to, to keep you happy. It's too hard to be around you all the time. And that hurts. I understand it, which hurts a little bit more. But that's why I always keep fighting works for the loved ones of people struggling with depression too. You see, I'm going to say something right now that I hope will help you if you are, have someone in your life who struggles with this. There is nothing that you have ever said or done that caused it. And there is nothing that you can ever say or do that will quote unquote fix it. All that you can do is show your love to them, show God's love to them. All you can do is be there. And that's why it's, it's important for you to also always keep fighting. Because there will be times where you invite someone over and over and over again to do something, and they keep saying no. And you're going to feel the, the impulse to say, well, I'm just going to stop asking. But for them, maybe just that being invited helps to bring them strength, helps to bring them hope, helps to give them something to look forward to. Maybe someday they'll say yes. And it's hard to deal with that on both sides of it. It's hard to be in the midst of that because there are times where I'm feeling so depressed and I know that how it's coming out and I want to not be that way. And it just, I hear myself saying things where it's like, dude, shut up. And that's when I pray the hardest. And so I know what it's like to deal with somebody like that because I deal with myself all of the time. In college, 75 years ago or so, uh, when I was trailing through the dinosaurs and everything to get to class, uh, it was a very, I realize those two time things don't work, but <laughs> it's, don't, don't take from this message, Jeff thinks that 75 years ago there were dinosaurs. I get it. I get it. But in college, I went through one of the darkest times of my life, probably the darkest time of my life. Uh, I went through months of pushing people away, months of saying no to every invitation, months of kind of going to class. Now, I still had my great-grandma's voice in my head, too, which was like, you better get an A or not come home. And so I, kept, I went to class enough for that. But I went through months of just sitting alone in a dark room. And I remember once I saw something on, does anybody remember the show Seventh Heaven? It was a pretty good show. It was a Christian show-ish, and it was a, a good show about a family, a family that, that was with a pastor, and it probably got weird near the end because all shows get weird near the end. But I, I saw, and on this one episode that I watched, like this one time I watched it, there was a kid on it who I think was like Lucy's friend, and I don't even know if that's the right name. But he was uh, just sad all the time, and he was doing a lot of the things I did. And, and at the end, they have like this, the more you know, special thing, where it, it says, you know, if you struggle with depression like so-and-so, then go to this website, find answers, find help. And I went to the website. But more than that, I was like, wow, I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know this had a label. I didn't know this was something that you could actually fight. And so I remember going straight to the Lord and praying and just feeling him within me, giving me more strength. And that was the beginning 
of, of my fight back. The beginning of me coming back to, to a semblance of normalcy. The beginning of my ministry in many ways. And so I, I, I saw in someone else a sign from the Lord. Because sometimes there are things that we struggle with, things that, that hurt us that we don't understand until we see someone else deal with them. And then just a few years ago, actually after I had moved to Ohio, so six and a half years ago, seven years ago, something like that, uh, my, my, I had left the only home I'd ever known, the only city I'd ever known, Seymour, wonderful, but uh, other than college and things like that. And my great-grandmother had passed, who raised me, I don't know if you, I, I'm sure I've talked about her, but I was raised by my great-grandparents. Uh, they were saints to do that with a 13-month-old when they were like 70, so think about that. And so uh, the, after college, she had Alzheimer's, and so I went back to, to be with her, to help her, to live with her. My great-grandfather had passed. And so when we finally lost her to that, uh, it was hard. It was hard. Now, I knew, you know, I'd lost her in many ways well before the Alzheimer's. But it was still hard because she was someone who had always been there. There are still times in my life where something good will happen, something bad will happen, and I will go to call her. And this is, that was in 2011. So, I mean, this is a decent amount of time since, and most of you guys understand something like that. And so I was here. I didn't know anybody. I felt unprepared. I felt alone. I felt all of these things. I felt darkness, and there were nights. Uh, I have trouble sleeping, as I said. I, so I take non-habit-forming sleeping pills from Walmart, which is better than Target. We'll get into that later. <laughs> and so I, I take non-habit-forming sleeping pills. There were nights where I looked at them, and I thought, I've heard of people taking a lot of these. Is it possible? Is it possible? There were days, more recently than I'd care to admit, where I wished I was dead. Now, I have never been suicidal. I've never attempted it. I've never truly thought about attempting it, but I've often in my life wished that I was dead, wished, like Jeremiah, that I'd never been born. And yet in those times, all that I had was the Lord. And so I prayed, but because I felt that did not affect my faith, and a lot of us feel that way sometimes, a lot of people would judge me for this sermon. As I said, this is the first place I felt safe to give this. But I fought back because of the Lord. He was there because of the Lord. And I did the math. He would bring things in my head, into my head, like people that it would affect. Even though I didn't always feel loved, never felt loved, even though I would always tell, you know, people don't really care, I would think about people, well, what would this do to them? How would they, this affect them? And that's important. I also found things to look forward to. Now, I want to, to emphasize again, the first step on either side of this, whether you have depression or know someone who does, is prayer. Always prayer, no matter what, no matter how much counseling you get, no matter what else you do. All of those things are good, but prayer has to be at the center of everything. Because the more you pray, the more you are connected to God. The more you give to him. But also, find things to look forward to. For me, I mentioned Supernatural. It's a show about just hunting ghosts and things. And on the surface, it's very simple, but the actors in it actually care about each other and do ch uh, charity things, and, and they're friends, and they talk about family, and how family doesn't end in blood. For someone who is single, that's an important message to hear, that family doesn't end in blood, that other people can be your family, that friends can be your family. And so I would find sometimes something as simple as, well, next week's a new episode. And so this coming up is the final season, and that's actually harder on me than should be in some ways. 
Because it's one of the things that I look back and it's like God helped me. But he also helped me to find little things to look forward to. To help in the fight. To help go forward. Uh, a couple years ago, and this is my profile pic on my Facebook, and it will be my profile pic on my Facebook for my entire life. Uh, I met Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles, who are the stars of Supernatural. And I was able to tell them, uh, you know, hey, I'm a pastor and I suffer with depression. Uh, and, and watching your show, hearing your messages about what you suffer with, it's really helped me. And that was important for me to be able to say to them. It mattered to me. And it mattered to them. Now in my life, I have friends who care about me. And I know that even when I don't know that. Uh, I have mentioned my niece Beatrice once or twice. Uh, she will actually be here in the second service. So sorry for you guys. But uh, she's a baby. She's five months old. I have other family. My sister, her husband, uh, they have other kids from either marriage. I have friends, uh, family. I have people that care about me. And even though there are times where I don't feel that, knowing that is there, knowing that I'm not alone matters, but always praying, always having faith, always moving forward. There's another quote for Jer from Jared that I want to read. You might not win every battle. There are going to be some really tough days. There might be several tough times in any given single day, but hopefully this will help somebody to think this isn't easy. It is a fight, but I'm going to keep fighting. I want to say this too, because there is no shame in fighting the same fight over and over and over again, in struggling with the same thing over and over and over again if you are trying your best. If you are trying your best, regardless of whether it's depression or, or, or addiction or something else, if you are honestly trying, giving it to God, and every day you are fighting, you're like, man, I feel like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again, and I'm not winning this fight. No, you are winning that fight because you are trying. And fighting for the Lord, fighting with the Lord, that is how you win because you keep trying, you keep going forward. Paul spoke of a thorn in his flesh. I've always believed that it was anxiety or depression related. There are other people who believe that it's physically related. It, it doesn't matter. The point is he had something that the world would say, you know, that's enough. You can quit. But God said, keep fighting. And so he kept struggling with it day by day. He struggled with his past day by day, but he kept moving forward. Because by doing that, by fighting every day, you are winning. And there's a psalm that I want to read. This is Psalm 139, 1 through 6, and then I've got more of it. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me. But place your hand of blessing on my head. Sorry. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. It's important to realize that God knows everything. Now, there are people who would take that as, oh man, God knows everything about me, that's scary. But for Christians, regardless of where you are in your walk of faith, that is to be a comfort. Because God knows every single struggle you've ever faced. He knows every single thing you've ever done. He knows every single thought you've ever had. He knows everything about your life. No matter how much you've hid from other people, he knows all of it. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. Every day, he never leaves. Others may leave. Like I said, in my life they have, but God will not. You may try to leave God, but he will always be there waiting with arms wide open. Because of his love, his grace, everything. 
He is there when you're crying, when you don't think you can get out of bed. He's there when you're happy, when everything is wonderful, when you're having a good day. He is always there. You are never alone. God is always with you. It's such an important message. It's something that sometimes I have to read over and over and over again. I have to say to myself over and over and over again. But it is true every single time. There's more to the scripture, verses 13 through 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. If you look through Psalms, one of the reasons I love Psalms, and I've taught it to the teens, it's essentially a prayer journal of David. When he had wonderful days, he goes to the Lord and says, God, today was so awesome. You struck down my enemies, or, or everything went well. I, I had a son, whatever it was. He went to the Lord and said, you're worthy of praise. When days were hard, he said, God, I don't know what's happening. Sometimes he would even question God, not in a disrespectful way, but in a, God, why is this happening? But he didn't just question it blindly. He questioned to God because he always believed in God. He always trusted God. He always went to God. And he talks here about you were formed in your mother's womb. You were perfect. You are as you are supposed to be. This is something I struggle with. I struggle with pictures of myself. You can ask Becky, who takes pictures for the staff sometimes. I'm a difficult one. I avoid cameras, and I am a master at avoiding cameras. You can ask my mom that when she's here later. But I, I, I struggle with seeing myself. I hide from mirrors. It's hard for me to... to think like that sometimes. I try on several, several different uh, shirts and things like that until I'm semi-happy before I leave the house sometimes. Sometimes I'm fine. But it's something that I struggle with, and yet I keep looking at this scripture because I keep having to fight. I keep having to say it. I keep having to read it. I keep having to read that David thought this too. I'm harder on myself, like I said, than anyone else ever could be. And that's a hard thing because there's no escape from that. Bullying is never good, but even when you're being bullied, you can kind of find an escape at home, an escape somewhere, but you can never escape your own thoughts. Uh, Jeremiah mentioned the day of his birth. I don't celebrate my birthday. I hide it from people. And, and there are people who are, who are like, oh, no, it's okay. You can tell me. It, it's something that I can't even explain why I don't like it, but I don't. Now, that said, you can give me presents any day of the year. <laughs> I'm not going to turn them away. Cash always fits. But it's something that just within me is hard. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to struggle with. And even though I'm harder on myself than anyone ever could be, God is not. Because God loves every bit about me, everything about me. And he helps me through it. He helps me to fight. He helps me to be there. And I know this even when I don't know this. And one of the things that, that can help you to help other people is simply have empathy. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about what it would be like. Think about why they may feel the way they feel. Share your story. Share your times. Share yourself. Tell people and remember yourself that you are not alone. Even when it feels that way, you are not alone. Now sometimes... I need time alone. I'm an introvert. 
And so sometimes I, 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 I love, I always love my ministry. I always love the teens. I always love being here. I, I actually have grown to love preaching, which is something that I never, ever thought I'd say. I still get nervous before. I still kind of freak out, especially during the choir songs, because a lot of times I wear like the headset mic. And so I like check it a hundred times to make sure it's not on so nobody hears I sing. Because the dirty secret there is I can, and I, you know, I don't want people to know that. It doesn't mean I'm going to be in choir. Just saying. But I, I, I know that there are times that I need to be alone, to recharge, to be with God, to, to just do something, to, to kind of ease my mind, to ease what I feel. And so we're always kind of taught, if you see someone sitting alone, go wrap your arm around them and, and make them not be alone. Now, I'm not saying to, to never go near somebody that is alone, because you still should, because we are God's people, and, and people want to feel welcome. But if someone is like, no, you know, I'm cool, that doesn't mean they want you to hit them in the head with a Bible and force them to come over to your house for lunch. It means some people just need time alone. Your job is to let them know that they are not truly alone, that you love them, that you won't give up on them, even if you don't sit next to them, even if you don't talk to them every day. And if somebody turns you down, ask them another time. It's like with church. Sometimes we ask someone, hey, will you come to church with me to hear this pastor speak who has spiky hair and talks too long? And you're like, nah, no. And then you ask them again. Ask them again, ask them again. And maybe they only come on Christmas or Easter. But that's something, and you keep asking. For me, too, there are places Church has always been something that helped me to feel safe, helped me to feel not alone. That's one of the ways I knew I was called into ministry. Uh, Chicago, greatest city in the world. I actually know Chicago better than I know Cincinnati or Indiana. And I realize Indiana's not a city, but none of you care about cities in Indiana. Even though I use coming back in basketball, I promise. But there are places where I feel, and so I go to Chicago every year in August and I go alone. Because I feel the Lord there in different ways. And when I come to church, I feel the Lord in different ways. There's another scripture from Jeremiah that I love and we hear all the time, but it's amazing. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. There are a lot of different religions in the world. There are a lot of different cults. There are a lot of different beliefs. But none of them have a God who thinks of us. There's only one God, we know that. But the God who created everything, the God who is omnipotent, the God who is omniscient, the God who is omnipresent, the God who is good, the God who is complete, the God who is holy, thinks of you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you, for everyone. That is important to know. And he said this to Israel at a time when they were in exile, when Babylon had the country, when they had no country, no home, nowhere to go. And when they felt dark, they felt alone, they felt lost, he said to them, I'm thinking of you. There's a plan for you. Just bear through the bad times. Keep believing in me. Everyone has a purpose. For me, it's working, it's helping, it's teaching for the Lord. It's being a minister in his name. And I'm always amazed, since I became a minister 700 years ago, I'm always amazed how many people that struggle with depression or anxiety have come to me and said, 
you know, I really struggle with this. I don't understand it. And I've been able to help because of my own experiences. I am never going to jump up and down and be like, I'm so glad that I wished I was dead for so long. I'm so glad that things have been so dark. But I will always say, I'm so glad I'm able to use this in God's name. Because you don't have to be fully healed to help someone else. You don't have to be fully healed if you are following him. If you are learning and you're giving that experience to other people. There is a place and a purpose for all of us. No matter what you think of yourself, no matter what others think of you, no matter what others say about you. One more scripture. One more scripture. Sorry, I'll hurry. Uh, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing ever stops God from loving you, nothing. Not anything you've ever said, not anything you've ever done, not the worst thing you've ever thought, not the worst thing you've ever done. God always loves you. Now you have to accept that love and and seek redemption, but he will always love you. He will always be there. He will always answer your cries for help. He will always know your heart. There is no struggle, no failure, no illness, no depression, no anxiety, nothing ever that will make God stop loving you. Always remind yourself of that and remind others of that. Love others, not how you think they should be loved, but how God thinks they should be loved. Not how you live your life smiling or eating chocolate, whatever it is you do, but how you live your life for God and how God gives you a purpose and an identity. And if this is something you struggle with, If this is something that that just eats away at you and you don't know how to deal with it, please ask for help. Do not be ashamed of it, like I was for so long. Because once you ask for help, you can begin that fight back. But even before that, ask God for help. Go to God with everything that you have. And I want to leave you with one thing. You are enough. You are enough. No matter what people say to you, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you think of yourself, you are enough in God. So always keep fighting. There's something that I say at the end of messages. And the reason that I say it, and you've only heard me preach once, I realize, and now you're like, man, he talks a long time. I always say, that's all I've got. Now, I know that it's not proper grammar. Believe me, I know everyone's grammar. I've got several lucrative English degrees, and I have college loans to prove it. So if you feel led right now to pay off someone's loans, I'm here. But I say that not to have a catchphrase because I don't see it as a catchphrase. I say it because one of the ways I get through doing things that are uncomfortable for me, one of the ways I get through the day is by giving literally all that I have to God. 
in every message, in every conversation, in everything that I do, even when I don't feel worthy, even when I don't feel enough, even when I don't feel like getting out of bed, I give everything that I have to God. I'm not special. But God is. And so when I say that, it is because I truly mean that I have given everything that I possibly can to him. So just remember, no matter what you are facing, God loves you. So always keep fighting. That's all I got.